Welcome to episode four of the Product 5 Full Stack FinTech Podcast. Today's podcast is an interview of Christine Laredo, President and COO of TyFiPay, a platform designed to help centralize bill management and simplify bill payments. Christine sits down with Aaron Huang to discuss how TyFiPay invested its early efforts to partner with a BAS provider like ProductFi and work closely with its consumers to build a product that delights and saves them money. Now, on to the interview. Christine, hello. How are you? Hi, very well. How are you? Good, good. Uh, as a quick intro, I'm Aaron Huang. I'm the head of commercial. Um, we are talking to Christine today at TyFiPay. Uh, Christine, we'll just love for you to give an intro on yourself and TyFiPay and the company just to kick it off. Okay, I'll go for it. Yes, so I have been the president and COO of TyFiPay for coming up on a year. Um, I joined a founder who had a brilliant idea and, and a lot of pain around paying bills. And I was just coming off of a, a long stint at uh, InvestNet Yodley, where I really fell in love with startups. I was able to um, find a lot of love incubating companies for the corporate incubator and really felt there was a lot to do to help people live better financial lives. And so when I met Rob, heard about consumer bill pay and really delighting consumers, I took the plunge and joined. And uh, we now have a, a team of seven full-time and many others helping us and about to go to market. And what we do is we are building one place to receive, pay, and manage any bill from any type of biller um, and then offering choice in payment and lots of organization and management help to keep those inflows and outflows in order. That's amazing. And I know we were talking last week about this in terms of the, the way that even me and my wife pay bills today. Bill pay is both ubiquitous, but it's also getting sexier. On our side, on the banking and service side, we are actually seeing a ton of demand for this. I guess I'm wondering, can you answer that from a why now moment? Like why a solution like TIFI pay right now? It's a great question. I think number one is the mindsets of consumers maniacally focused due to the pandemic. Maybe some people were able to benefit from the pandemic, but they knew somebody who wasn't, right? And so just being more on top of it, but also the digitization of payments and the banking as an infrastructure partners, that tech wasn't available back you know, two, three years ago. And having it all simple and easy to connect and build platforms so you can focus on the consumer delight and that UI, UX, make it an ideal time. Gotcha. So let's talk about some of the incumbents. I think everyone's probably familiar with their current solutions. We talked about financial infrastructure, what you guys are innovating on top. What is the hardest challenge you guys are sort of tackling with bill pay today? And you know, what is the product challenging and solving in terms of that customer delight? Right. Well, we are really following a true customer delight process, which means talking to consumers, right? We found a lot of ahas in our early research with consumers and feel very grateful to, to have that process in play. Um, but it also told us a lot of features and functionality that we need to build, right? And so we want to focus on delight and not focus on making the tech behind the scenes work. Obviously, um, the capabilities to interact with APIs in the fintech space is, is very important and we have the right team, but it's also very important to find the right partners to make it happen, whether it's connecting to banking as a service partners for monetization and verification, because security is extremely important. And the other piece is just giving access to the biller directory to allow consumers to pay bills and onboard easily. 
so they can get in there and start to be delighted with the amount of time and money we can save them. Gotcha. Uh, devil's advocate question. Why not just go directly to a bank today? Oh, wow. Well, partly because banks aren't tech focused, right? They're more compliance, regulatory focused. They're not thinking about ease of integration, ease of use. They take a while to get everybody on board. So they're not very swift in making their decisions, partly because they never had had to be, right? The last technology from a central and progressive perspective, and you can really, really slow down your ability to get to market. Got it. We have talked about go to market you and I, especially on, on a lot of these strategy calls, what is it about our go-to-market, about our strategy in general that you think works, works well for companies like you guys? I think the, the inverse of that is that when you don't go direct to a bank, you've now got a banking as a service provider in the middle. You've got, you know, at least for us, three parties in this uh, conjunction, if you will. However, to your point, there is a partnership model that would be makes it more amenable from a go-to-market perspective. So are there things that sort of like work well for you on the partnership side and, and things that if you were maybe advising other fintechs, you would say, you know, please be mindful of this because while you may have a bilateral relationship with a bank that has certain issues, when you work, work with a bank as a service provider in a bank, you know, these are things that are going to work well and these are things that are just to be mind, mindful of wanted a banking as a service partner and I wanted product buy because I knew you had worked out all the kinks with the bank, right? So when I come on board, that's already been streamlined. And the other piece is all the connections to services like KYC, monetization, money movement, as well as account verification and other ancillary services I can add on in the future. Um, we were able to build an MVP in three months, right? And we wouldn't have been able to do that if we were working with a bank. And now we're working towards beta after having a successful MVP that everything worked. And, you know, being able to integrate one time and then add on other services as you see the need and you hear from consumers, I think is really important because the reality is, is we may in the future be doing much more and need other services. And I want to work with somebody who has that capability versus having to start over and find another partner. And that's definitely some of the things that we're super excited about as well. From a partnership perspective, you know, I know you and I talk a lot about the strategy side. What other folks on your team, if you were to operate really well with both a BAS partner and a bank, do you think you would need in terms of core team members? Right. I mean, on our, on our team, it was very much the founder and I as the business owner and then my chief product officer and my CTO from a getting in, understanding the APIs and making sure the integration worked and those kind of key use cases were being met, right? And then being able to, to streamline it into a roadmap that made sense for investors really in aligning everything so that we hit our milestones and at the same time, delight our consumers. Got it. You and I have never actually met in person. <laughs> True, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> We uh, all started our companies during COVID, and I, I ask uh, a lot of um, founders and operators this question because you know we're all we're all sort of swimming in the soup. But what is it that's different about operating and starting a business during COVID? Like, what are some of the challenges, and actually, are there any systemic advantages to to doing this during a COVID environment? 
You know, it's, there's, there's positives and negatives like anything, right? I mean, I think the positive and, and we're a little different because a lot of the people on our team have worked together before and have met each other, but the positives are right. We're not dealing with office space and we're not dealing with commutes and whatnot. People are working from home. So the hours increase. The other piece is the ability to collaborate real time and work across time zones, right? I mean, I can get up and be on a call at six but I, you know, I can do that from my house, right? Or I can work late into the evening and it's not as big as a interruption. Yeah. However, on the flip side, it's really hard to build a culture. It's really hard to build morale. It's, tr- it's hard to get people excited. We've done some lunches, lunches. I've flown to New York to visit the founder a few times and a couple other people, but it's not the same. And I, I think that's one of the things I'm working hard on for 2022 is to really build that kind of startup fund that companies like Airbnb and Uber and others had because of the times they started. And I, I think it's actually very important. And sometimes you can go, well, she really, because we could save money and we can get all these things done, but it actually is really important to have the, the team together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, we've certainly been thinking about that. And I think we're all sort of learning as we go along. Some of that obviously occupies your mind space as a day-to-day operator. I think as a small team right now, getting to an MVP in three months, obviously trying to figure out the capital market situation, getting to market, doing market research. Like what, what does your day-to-day look like right now? And I'm, I ask this for a lot of people, but how do you prioritize it? That is a great question. Right now we're gearing up for a pre-launch. Every early stage company struggles with this, which is essentially trying to operate in a COVID environment, getting everything done, to your point, making sure that employees are engaged, thinking about fundraising, thinking about early stage launches. How do you have, uh, or do you have a system to prioritize your your day-to-day? Like, or what does it look like right now? I mean, I'm obviously prioritizing my launch that's coming. And so we have stand-up calls and we have everything situated on making those dates and making sure everything is um, dotted and crossed. However, you know, my chunks of time are, you know, running the launches, raising money and making sure that the team's needs are being met across. Right. And I would say that I have to spend equal amount of time, but now of course it's more, more focused on going to market. It's a struggle, right? I mean, it's, it's a combination of to-do lists and prioritization and just kind of working the extra hours. And that's a benefit of COVID is you, you can, because you can be in your sweatpants and, and get more done. But I, I have a really strong team that, you know, we're very collaborative. We have each other's backs and I have people that I can say, Hey, I can't get this done. Can you? And they'll step up. And I think that's really important. I'm really happy. We have a team of people who have worked together who already have that trust. I think that mm-hmm. helps us also. Yeah, super important. And I think that also forms a nexus of a lot of companies and teams we talk to. In terms of the early stage nature, and maybe one of the successes that both of us have, we, we got to MVP in three months, but are there any other lessons learned about what you could have done better or, or learned along the way that you could share with folks that are kind of like in the same journey as you? Really good point. I mean, I think talk to consumers as soon as you can. We had a lot of secondary research, it was fantastic. But when we talked to consumers, we really got some ahas. And you know, we, we talked to them soon, but we could have spoken to them sooner, right? Feedback consistently. If you're not marketing towards consumers, you're marketing towards SMBs or enterprises, talk to people on your target audience. Very important. 
Got it. And finally, you know, long-term vision, big hair audacious goal. You know, what what is that for TIFI Pay? Yeah, I mean, I think our, our our vision is enormous, right? I mean, we're looking at consumers who have never really been delighted with bill pay, and we're moving towards bill management because it's really not just about bill pay; it's about managing it. And then at the same time, you have billers, particularly small billers, who don't have the sophistication or the digitization yet, and so they're suffering because they are involving this workflow and they have slow receivables and they're hooked on checks and credit cards, which are expensive. So if we can make the lives of consumers and billers better so they can focus on what they need to do to, to live richer lives, I think we're successful. So it really is a vision around the consumer and the billers. That's awesome. Looking forward to using the product. Again, as I mentioned, I find this uh, monthly cycle myself um, quite onerous. Last two questions, the, the fun ones, pancakes or waffles, Christine, and why? Well, waffles, because I can have fried chicken also. So I'm more of a salty person So in, for breakfast, but chicken and waffles is something that I discovered being from the South and really do love it. Touche. Second question, Bitcoin or Ethereum and why? Definitely Ethereum. Why? Because I think it will be the foundation for everything in the meta and be NFT and beyond kind of futuristic world we're starting to get into having, you know, I actually am invested in a couple of companies in the space and it's like, they tell me all these things and I'm like, what, how do you build it? What's the underlying technology? And it's all Ethereum. So I'm, that's part of my bet too, right? Is listening to those smart people who are just unbelievable in what we're going to have in the next five, 10 years. And, and I, I believe it's Ethereum. I really do. Got it. So Web3 powered bill pay coming up next. You got it. You got it. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, really look at the numbers that I learned when I was at Yodley around how few of Americans have money saved for emergency, how few Americans have any retirement set up. And then you look at the numbers of like all the missed payments and then all the, the finance charges. The average American spends $250 a year on late fees for bills. I mean, we could really, and, and actually the statistic of 40% of Americans don't have $300 saved for an emergency, yep. 250 in late fees, 300 bucks for emergency. I mean, if I could just help that, I feel like, mm. you know, making a difference. And I, and I really can't wait to show the stats on how we are helping once we get live and, and see some, um, some real numbers. That's awesome. I mean, we're looking forward to supporting you on your mission. You know, we're aligned on that. So thanks so much, Christine. And uh, we will be having our uh, strategy sessions very soon. Excellent. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Aaron. Thanks so much.